With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast, a bright and sunny off-season summer edition. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and as always, alongside me, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, it's been a while since we uh, got together to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, it, actually, it's probably been close to two months, if not a little over two months, since our, our last podcast episode at the conclusion of of their first round series against the New York Rangers, but the Stanley cup has been awarded. The NHL draft has concluded and free agency is only hours old as the, at the time of this recording. Uh, how have you been since our last episode and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll dive straight into it. What are your feelings uh, in the first couple of hours of free agency? What are your feelings on the penguins so far where things stand on July 14th? Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, again, we just mentioned we don't know how long this will go, but we do have a lot to talk about. It's been uh, roughly two months, like you said, and uh, it's definitely good to hop back on the mic here. A lot to a lot to cover, but uh, we'll start with a congratulations to the uh, Colorado Avalanche for winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, definitely a popular pick before the playoffs started, and they were pretty much dominant from beginning to end. So uh, congratulations to them, uh, knocking the the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning off that perch. Uh, it's nice to have some uh, fresh blood up there and um, that well-deserving team. But I, I think that um, from a Penguins perspective, the actual free agency when it opened on Wednesday at noon was uh, rather quiet. Um, for the most part, we'll talk about uh, some of the moves they made, some of the moves that could come. But I think most of the Penguins noise came um, after the season, which was kind of what we expected, though maybe it didn't play out um, exactly like we expected. We knew the names that were uh, going to be free agents that needed a new contract, and uh, piece by piece, it all kind of fell together um, for the Penguins, but um, there was probably a little more drama than uh, most of us expect expected, but I think overall the Penguins did most of their work. Uh, before the free agent period, but I think a part of us knew that that was uh, what was going to be expected given uh, what needed to be done. The questions that we had uh, at the end of at the end of last season, uh, at the conclusion of the Rangers series, like you said, it was going to be directed towards in-house problems, largely contract extensions, that sort of thing. And that'll be the first thing we talk about. We'll dive into it right now. Uh, we'll start. Uh, I'll just go through read off uh, all of the big contract extensions and their cap hits and all of that, and then we can have a discussion about the pros and cons, uh, that sort of thing. We'll start with Casey DeSmith. Uh, the Penguins bring back the veteran backup netminder to be 
The uh, the backup to Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith, was signed to a two-year contract, uh, runs through the 2023-24 season with uh, an average annual value of $1.8 million. Uh, after that, we have uh, one of the big three, Chris Letang. Uh, Letang was uh, reportedly the Penguins' top priority or one of the top priorities for the Penguins this offseason. And Letang is staying in the black and gold. The Penguins have their top defenseman uh, after agreeing with Letang to terms on a six-year, $36.6 million contract extension, an average annual value of $6.1 million. Uh, through the 2027-28 campaign. Uh, moving on, we have, uh, let's see, let's let's go to Ricard Raquel. Very surprising, a, a contract that I was not expecting personally. I thought Raquel was going to hit the open market, but that is not the case. The Penguins signed Raquel to a, a six-year contract through the 2027-28 season, carries an average annual value of $5 million dollars Per season, um, P.O. Joseph, uh, who looks to be competing for a permanent NHL spot uh, this upcoming season, he was signed to a two-year contract through the 2023-24 season, an average annual value of just $825,000. And uh, this is the the big piece, the the big the big story that all of Penguins Nation went on the ride for. Would they won't would they or would they not re-sign Evgeny Malkin to a contract extension? Uh, there had been some drama percolating on both sides, and it looked like right before free agency was about to kick off, Evgeny Malkin uh, allegedly shut the Penguins down and said he was going to test the open market after allegedly dealing with some frustration regarding the contract negotiations. Uh, but this is obviously something we will be talking about here shortly. Uh, however, Evgeny Malkin does re-sign with the Pittsburgh Penguins on a four-year, $24.4 million extension uh, running through the 2025-26 season, carrying an average annual value of $6.1 million. So the, the two biggest questions heading into this offseason were the statuses of Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. There were arguments on both sides of the aisle. Should the Penguins let these players go and get younger and uh, have some of that salary cap money go towards a player like Vince Trocek, uh, a younger center who would have presumably been the second line center, a replacement to Evgeny Malkin, or should the Penguins run it back with the core that they've assembled over the last 16 years, the big three, Crosby, Malkin, Latang? Should they run it back and should they close their careers out together? Obviously, it was option two. The big three stay together. All three of these players presumably will end their careers uh, in the black and gold in Pittsburgh with the Penguins. Uh, Robbie, I'll stop talking now. I'll hand it over to you. Obviously, a lot of information and a lot of contract details to digest there. Uh, but give me your initial thoughts uh positives, negatives, anything in between on all of these brand new contract extensions before free agency began. Yeah. So I'll kind of go with them here in, in order as much as possible. And I think uh, the first one was Brian Ross, like three days after the season ended. Um, and that was kind of one that I think caught a lot of people off guard because uh, Rust was, we, we talked about this at many points throughout the season that, um, 
given his age and uh, what he was likely to command on the open market, uh, to get that one done and uh, settled quickly, it made you kind of think that maybe that will clip through these pretty quick and we'll be on our merry way. But um, yeah, Rust was the uh, one of the bigger surprises because we kind of figured that uh, he may have priced himself out of Pittsburgh, which would have been a, we- uh, a well-earned payday. But he did get a pay raise uh, from the Penguins, and he stays in Pittsburgh for uh, the next six years. And I mean, that's likely that might be a uh, a a lifelong Penguin there if things work out correctly. So uh, good to have Russ there. That gets uh, that means you know going into next year, at the very least, you have that uh, you have that top line of Crosby, Gensel, and Mo- or Rust. Uh, locked down and ready to go. Uh, after that, you had, I believe, the next one was uh, Casey Smith, and this these next ones all kind of come in a a kind of rapid fire here. We wait until uh, July, early July, after the fourth, uh, to get some of these contracts done. Now we're uh, just about a week out of free agency. Casey Smith, it rumored that the Penguins were uh, interested in bringing him back a few days before this. And it kind of caught me and I think others by surprise because I think we all expected Casey Smith was probably on his way out the door. Uh, the Penguins were just going to look for fresh blood uh, behind Tristan Jari, but they like what they saw in Casey Smith. And when you looked at what other goalies were signing for um, after um, that would have played in a backup-type role, that deal for under $2 million a season uh, for the next two years uh, might be a very good deal for the Penguins uh, Overall, I mean, he is experienced, he's familiar with the system, and he does give you solid play most of the time. Yeah, there's some inconsistency, but I think the Penguins are comfortable with Casey Smith, and he is now back in Pittsburgh. Uh, following that, the just hours before uh, the NHL draft kicks off, we have the signing of Chris Letang, who uh, was one of the obviously two big names uh, to sign six years, $6.1 million. Uh, Latang now likely a Penguin for life, as we all hoped. But again, Latang's importance to this team and what he brings on that back end could not be overstated. And while people did want to see him go, there was just clearly nothing on the market that could have replaced what Chris Latang does for the Penguins, his skill set. And yes, he is uh, 35 years old. But at the end of the day, if you're Penguin, if you are looking at a three-year window to win a cup. Crystal Tang was a must to bring back, and credit to Ron Hextall, he got it done. So, of the big names that were left, Malkin was the one we were waiting on, but we had to wait a little longer. Uh, next was P.O. Joseph, or actually, it might have been even Ricard Raquel next. And this was the one that really took me by surprise because I really, once Russ resigned, I really thought Ra- Raquel was going to be uh, on his way out of Pittsburgh. Love what he did for the Penguins, but I just thought his price would be too high. And lo and behold, Ricard Raquel is back and will continue his craft in Pittsburgh for the next several seasons. Uh, A really good team-friendly deal for the Penguins. I think they obviously uh, spent to get him at the deadline. And in the end, it all just kind of worked out uh, that the Penguins uh, were able to get him under contract with the cap number that they wanted. And Raquel, at his exit press conference, pretty much said, I love Pittsburgh, want to stay. It's really nice to see that they were able to work out a deal there. Uh, it's very, I'll be very interested to see what um, Raquel can do with the whole season in this Penguin system. Uh, and then P.O. Joseph, uh, which he was tendered a qualifying offer. He would have been a restricted free agent. Uh, they got a two-year, two-year 
one-way deal done. Uh, it's likely that he will be um, with the big club all season next season. Um, and I think that's been the plan since the beginning. Um, I think that it's time. He, I really don't believe that any more time in the AHL is helping him at this point in his development. He needs to be getting more consistent NHL time, and this will be uh, his opportunity. And then last but not least, uh, literally about 12 hours before free agency opened, after about 24 hours of thinking Malkin was test, Evgeny Malkin was going to test the free agent market, the news breaks at 11 p.m. on Tuesday. Evgeny Malkin signed a four-year, $6.1 million deal to basically become a Penguin for life, return to Pittsburgh, and play right where he belongs. The 2C, it saves us the the nightmares of Jeff Carter 2C, and it also saves us the nightmares of a possible overpay for a guy that would have to fill in for Malkin, replace Malkin, and would not be able to provide what Malkin does. Uh, we know what Malkin's limits are. He's probably not going to play 80, 82 games. He might not even play 70 games. But as long as he can keep playing at a point-per-game pace, he's going to help the Penguins. He's good for the Penguins. He's more than just a power play sniper still. He plays good five-on-five production. And it would have been really, really tough to see him reach. He's knocking on the door of a thousand games played. He will absolutely, something unless something catastrophic happens, uh, knock on wood, he will hit a thousand games played uh, for the Penguins this season. Only the second Penguin uh, to ever reach that number um, in a Penguins jersey. And then, uh, if he, assuming he plays more than just one more year, which the contract would uh, signify that, uh, he will likely hit 500 goals um, as early as next season at some point, unless you have just some kind of bizarre crazy year where he puts up like 60 goals this year or something, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. But no, I mean, that was the, the last big piece. And I, I you got to like what the Penguins did with these resignings. I think the Smith one probably threw some people for, um, for a twist. But I think if you look at what the goalie market was, uh, it, it makes complete sense. and looks very good in hindsight. Uh, P.O. Joseph, uh, we know that the Penguins have plans for him at the NHL level. No shock there. I think maybe the, like when it came down to Ricard Raquel and Brian Rust, it was either or. Uh, and when it turned out to be both, um, that really kind of uh, took Penguins by surprise. The Rust one was just not that it was surprised he came back. It just it was done within like three days of the Penguins season ending. And then the Raquel one kind of came out of the blue. You'd heard nothing about uh, any con- any contract talks between the two sides. And then boom, um, uh, he gets that deal done. And then Latang and Malkin. Obviously a hot-button topic for Penguins fans this year. Um, a lot wanted them to stay. Some wanted them to leave. I think at the end of the day, when you look at the big picture of things, what they provide versus what was what would have been able to bring in uh, from a free agent or even a trade perspective, uh, nothing could replace them. And again, you have to – I know it's hard sometimes to quant- or quantify a legacy – but you have to look at what they've meant to this franchise and they deserve to remain in Pittsburgh and complete their uh, careers here in Pittsburgh, along with uh, the captain, Sidney Crosby. The, the, the Penguins off season is still very young and I still have, um, I still have some concerns with the allocation of, of money towards other contracts like the, the Jeff Carter contract and the Brock McGinn contract and the log jam on defense. And we'll, touch on that i'm sure as this episode goes on one thing i do have to give a lot of credit to ron hextall for 
is these uh, these contract extensions. Uh, Malkin and Latang, Rust, Raquel, DeSmith, signing all of these players uh, to surely, surely, obviously they didn't hit the open market, but surely below market value. All of these players, if they were to hit the market, the open market, they would have gotten millions and millions and millions of dollars more than what they settled for to come back to Pittsburgh. Um, with that, just that alone, the, the, the off season has been a success for Ron Hextall navigating the salary cap. And, uh, obviously with the salary cap, not seeing major increases due to the pandemic, having to work within the restraints of what you have, um, not getting any extra money as a result of the cap increasing, maybe a $1 million, I think, uh, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot. But getting Malkin, Latang, Rust, Raquel, basically solidifying the entirety of your top six, extending your one of your top prospects in Joseph, bringing back DeSmith, who has been uh, a little bit shaky from time to time, but he is a a backup goaltender nonetheless. All of these contracts receive an A-plus from me. Uh, all of these players are integral to the Penguins' success, even looking at Malkin and Latang's age, uh, and Crosby, for that matter, too, being uh, on the wrong side of 30. But A-plus effort to Ron Hextall uh, for these contract extensions. We'll see what the rest of unrestricted free agency brings and how Hextall will navigate the rest of free agency. But... From a contract extension perspective, uh, A-plus marks to Hextall for extending all of these players and really, realistically, having the majority, if not all of them, take some form or variation of a hometown discount compared to what they would have gotten on the open market. Uh, let's let's move and, and talk about free agency, Robbie. Let's talk about some of the early transactions that the Penguins made. Uh, you mentioned it was a relatively quiet day. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. There weren't there there wasn't that big splashy uh, big splashy signing that may come down the road. However, but it wasn't on the first day of free agency. Uh, the Penguins sign veteran goaltender Dustin Tokarski. He will essentially replace the Louis Domingue role and all in all likelihood be the third goaltender in the Penguins organization. They sign um, defenseman Xavier Ouellette to in all likelihood probably be the team's, I would imagine, eighth defenseman if, if everything goes to plan, uh, Ouellette has NHL experience largely playing with the Detroit Red Wings. I imagine he's going to be on the top pairing in Wilkes-Barre Scranton for the minor league team. Uh, I guess what you could call the biggest transaction of the day was signing Stanley Cup champion, former Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman Jan Ruda to a three-year contract extension. And uh, the Penguins signed uh, forwards Josh Archibald and Drake Kajula to what I would presume would be minor league contracts as well. So, Robbie, looking at this early crop of free agent transactions, like you said, not a lot stands out. Perhaps the the three-year contract extension of right-handed defenseman Jan Ruda uh, maybe caught some by surprise. 
but that leads into what we're going to talk about next is what happens with the penguins and the rest of their uh the rest of their salary cap situation but before we get to that uh i'll hand the microphone over to you you can give your thoughts on the early free agent frenzy for the penguins as the free agent period is often running towards the 2022-23 season yeah i think you explained it pretty well that a lot of what we saw on uh, Wednesday when free agency opened from the Penguins was mostly depth stuff. Um, Dustin Tokarski will be your, thir- your third goalie. Uh, I do believe he's an upgrade from Louis Domingue. Um, again, we'll see on that. I mean, he'll probably at some point be called upon. I mean, just the nature of hockey. Uh, Jan Ruda is the the probably the, uh, for lack of a better term, the marquee signing for the Penguins. Um, he's going to be an NHL player. He's going to be a everyday player. He's not a death player. He's likely a a third pairing defenseman. He has really good underlying numbers. He is more of a stay at home uh, type defenseman. Um, and at a very reasonable price for three years, he's 31 years old. He's coming in at 2.75 uh, against the cap for the next three seasons. So, I mean, overall, very fair, uh, very fair numbers there, Ruda. But he's going to, yeah, he's going to be your, he was the headliner from, um, from, uh, from Wednesday. Uh, Xavier Ouellette, Likely, like you said, an eighth an eighth man on defense. Um, definitely behind at the worst. Definitely behind Mark Friedman um, and Chad Ruedel. I'm two guys that are going to be um, ahead of, ahead of him on the depth chart. But hey, you always need uh, some some depth uh, in the NHL. And then Drake Cajula and Josh Archibald, basically depth signings as well. Probably spend a decent amount of time uh, in the AHL. Um, Archibald might be more of a 13th, 14th forward kind of player, uh, but Drake Cajula definitely a um, uh, an age uh, call up guy, and he will. Uh, he's coming off uh, surgery, so he is, um, I believe, still possibly recovering from that a little bit. But I think from this first day, I, again, like you said, the Penguins did most of their work. Um, just resigned guys that were going to be free agents. Uh, the big names, obviously, Malkin, Latang, Russ, Raquel, P.A. Joseph, and Smith, that was all work uh, done before uh, done before the deadline. So the the Penn's busiest time was between uh, May and the start of free agency on Wednesday. Uh, they got that work done, and really free agency was mostly just filling out some roster spots. There's still a lot of work to do. Uh, we'll talk about uh, potential of trades coming up. Obviously, they currently have eight or nine NHL defensemen on the roster. You only play six every night. You usually only carry seven, maybe eight. Um, usually maybe even seven at the top. So you have uh, a log jam there that's going to have to be solved and how they solve that. Uh, we'll definitely find out here in the coming. Uh, really, if you if you believe the rumors, uh could be sooner rather than later um, and to free up some cap space and make more moves. And uh, it sounds like Ron Hextall is not done, uh, close to done yet, even though they didn't um, – Make any huge headlines on on the first day of free agency. Um, they're going to be a team to pay attention to here uh, the next coming days and weeks as uh, bigger pieces move out and they fill out the roster in other ways rather than just dipping in the free agent pool. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I agree. Yeah, we we know for certain Ron Hextall is uh, actively uh, testing the waters and uh, checking the phone lines to see uh, what he can do with his team. He's already come out publicly and said he is not uh, not going to carry eight or nine defensemen on his opening night roster. So. Uh, like you said, Robbie, it's a matter of when, not if. We'll, we'll see, like you said, if the rumors are to be believed, we'll see how quickly uh, these sort of negotiations carry along. And uh, if uh, anything does break, we'll be sure to uh, uh, bring you all the latest news on Pensburg.com. And if uh, if the transactions, if the trade happens to be relatively substantial in return. We might have to do a little quick, maybe 15, 20-minute podcast talking about the return they get uh, eventually when a trade is made. Uh, But that is a discussion for another day when that news actually breaks. Let's shift focus now to the NHL draft. We've talked about the contract extensions, the uh, opening hours of free agency, and let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their draft activity. Because uh, really throughout the Crosby-Malkin era, it has been a bit of a rarity for the Penguins to uh, utilize their first round pick. Well, they did that in the 2022 NHL draft, selecting defenseman Owen Pickering from the WHL's Swift Current Broncos. Uh, Pickering was selected with the 21st overall selection. Entering the draft, Pickering was the number 15th ranked North American skater by NHL Central Scouting. He's a, a big boy, six foot four, six foot five, depending on what uh, website you're reading from. Uh, big defenseman, six foot five, 180 pounds. Uh, he uh, spent last season, like I mentioned, with the Swift Current Broncos of the WHL, accumulating 11 goals, 42 points in 85 WHL games. Uh, Robbie, given uh, given like I mentioned, the Penguins' rarity for using their first round pick. Uh, it seemed like from all of the uh, all of the scouting gurus that I follow on social media and all of the 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 uh, scouting th- um, things like elite prospects and all of those websites like that, they seem to believe that this is going to be a very positive, uh, a very positive thing, a very positive draft pick for the Penguins. I remember uh, Jesse Marshall on draft night for the Athletic likening uh, Pickering to a number three, number four defenseman. If they can get that out of this first round selection, I consider that to be a success. Pickering and a couple of other picks who we'll get to momentarily look to be part of that next generation of Penguins hockey. But I'll hand the microphone over to you, Robbie. What were your thoughts on on the Penguins using their first-round pick on this defenseman? Do you like it? Were you hoping for maybe another player who was still on the board at that time? Uh, what are your thoughts as the Penguins use a rare first-round pick for uh, restocking that prospect cupboard? Yeah, I mean, really any pick there would have been fine for the Penguins because, again, the cupboard's so bare, uh, especially... Uh, at the uh, defensive position, but I mean, you couldn't really be mad with whoever they took because they need help everywhere. So uh, a big body defenseman who has a lot of upside, 
uh, he was high on a lot of uh, boards of people that I trust when it comes to breaking down uh, the draft and uh, doing all that scouting work. So I think overall, it seemed like everybody was gen- genuinely happy with the pick. Um, again, it's all kind of a shot in the dark when you're picking that part, um, that part of the um, that of the first round. So I mean, it's not like they were picking top five, but yeah, I think they did well with what they had. Uh, Pickering was an, a name that was on a lot of draft boards. He's absolutely massive. He's six four, like he's a six four, six five. He's probably and he's going to bulk up a little bit. He's only seventeen years old, uh, so he's going to have time to bulk up, continue to develop his game uh, in the uh, WHL before ever having to worry about uh, making an impact um, at the pro level. So yeah, it definitely it adds a nice prospect to the pool. He's um, he's int- he's immediately becomes one of their top prospects in the system, which yeah, not really saying much given the Penguin system, but. I mean, he's he has a lot of promise, and really, that's what you're kind of banking on uh, at that point that he can turn that promise into uh, results. And I think overall, just uh, it's just a good uh, a good selection for the Penguins, and definitely fills uh, a need for the system. And looking at the, uh, the the second day of the draft, rounds two through seven, uh, the Penguins selected four players on the second day of the NHL draft. And you brought up uh, you brought up a, a good way to describe it uh, when you're talking about prospects, and you're not picking really in the top three or the top five. You're basically trying to find those high upside guys who you know high ceiling. Um, try and hit as many. Uh, as many home runs or get as many home runs as you can, especially in the later rounds when uh, the projection of becoming an NHL regular or uh, even a star dwindles drastically. Uh, You're you're, you're throwing stuff at the wall and hopefully something sticks. And in the Penguins' case, there's one player that sticks out to me. Uh, Robbie, I don't know if if the same can be said for you. I'll get your thoughts here shortly. The the Penguins selected... um, Zam Plant or Zam Platt, however you want to pronounce that, a, a, a 17-year-old forward who spent the 2021-22 season with the Chicago Steel of the USHL, recording 10 goals, uh, 11 assists for 21 points in 31 games. He's a very small forward, only five foot 10, 165 pounds, but he was third. Uh, among uh, Chicago rookies in points. He's a native of Minnesota. Uh, he has some uh, some NHL ties uh, with his father, Derek, also playing eight seasons in the NHL with the Sabres, the Stars, the Blackhawks, and the Flyers from 1993 to 2001. Looking at these uh, late-day selections, this forward in particular really caught my eye because it, it uh, seemed like, and he even admitted, that this player could fit the mold of uh, of a Jake Gensel type, uh, small in stature, but still gritty and looks like he can put the puck in the net. So I, I'm going to be curious to see how this fifth rounder pans out. Again, uh, once you get to these later rounds, you're, you're hoping that whatever you throw to the wall hopefully sticks. Maybe you can develop an NHLer or two. But this forward uh, in particular, Zam Plant, was one that caught my eye based on some of the early scouting reports and some of the uh, early positive notes that were coming out of Penguins camp 
regarding this forward. Uh, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you. If you have any other thoughts, you'd like to put a bow on this this draft segment before we uh, switch gears and head over to the mailbag. Yeah, I think overall, uh, you pretty much summed it up. The the Zan plant uh, was one of the ones that really stuck out uh, from people I saw talking online as well as a very um, high potential player. They compared him to Jake Gensel. Um, so, I mean, that's one guy you're going to want to keep your eye on um, more than what seems any uh, other that were drafted this year, besides Pickering, obviously. But, yeah, again, another guy that's going to take some time to develop, but he'll have time. Uh, to work on his game as he comes up through the system. And um, so I think that, yeah, that was kind of the one that really stuck out to me as well, just because it seemed like all the the charts and stuff that were popping up on him after the Penguins drafted him were all uh, showing very positive signs. Um, and anytime that you're drawing comparisons to Jake Gensel, you're, you're probably doing something right. So uh, fingers crossed that he can uh, turn into a player like that because he would definitely help. Uh, the Penguins in the future, if that's, if that's the case. All right, let's shift gears now to our mailbag segment. This week we have um, six questions, well, five questions. Uh, one of them comes from two question askers uh, who submitted the questions on our Pensburg podcast Twitter page. You can follow our Pensburg podcast Twitter page at Pensburg Pod for all the latest news and notes regarding the Pensburg podcast. And obviously, with this being the off season, um, and we'll pick back up. Obviously, once the regular season gets into full swing, and we have we- weekly mailbag segments. But Robbie, uh, like like we did last season, you'll get first crack at the mailbag. Question number one comes from Brendan, and he asks, would you trade defenseman Marcus Pedersen for Anaheim Ducks winger Maxime Comtois? Um, so I don't know. I can't say that I know a ton about Comtois, but I think that um, based on what we're hearing, I don't know how much of a willing partner uh, Anaheim is. A lot of the rumors seem to be involving uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Um, there's obviously the the big the big names there and JT Miller and even Connor Garland. Um, and I don't know if necessarily Pedersen, though it is reported that he is on the trading block and Ron Hextall says a defenseman will be moved. Um, I don't know if he is necessarily uh, the top the top name on the Penguins trade block. And I think that might be uh, John from John Marino, whatever you think about that. Um, I'm not necessarily a massive fan of that move. I think I would maybe even put him. Uh, third on, on my trade block, Marino. Uh, but if Marino is going to be the piece that gets you a, a JT Miller type or a um, Connor Garland type or even brings home uh, a decent haul picks and prospects-wise, then then maybe you look that way. But Max or Marcus Pedersen, um, it's really hard to say what his, what his value is. He's a very good defensive defenseman, but the offensive upside is missing, obviously. We've seen that. Um, I mean, very, very solid. Uh, I don't know exactly, again, what his worth is. And maybe he ends up being packaged uh, with someone uh, to bring in uh, one of the bigger names, like out in Vancouver. So uh, Pedersen for Comtois straight up, I'm not sure if that's something necessarily the Penguins are interested in, unless they think that uh, Comtois can be um, a very significant contributor. I think the Penguins are looking for, in these trades, a potential for a very a very big upgrade. It's not just going to be a uh, one-for-one uh, hockey trade. I think it's going to be 
uh, package, and they're going to try to get good assets back, and um, they're going to be looking for NHL-ready players that can maybe even skate along uh, alongside Evgeny Malkin. So, yeah, one-for-one, Pedersen from Comtois, I'm not sure about, but I definitely think that Pedersen uh, is a guy that may be even likely playing somewhere different next season. Uh, question number two from Brian. Uh, we obviously will be moving at least one D. Uh, which one do you think it will be? And will it be to Vancouver for JT Miller? Uh, what six do you think will play next season? Yeah, this will be basically a continuation of, of Robbie's answer. Um, I, I wasn't before the, the, the John Marino rumors started popping up online. Uh, I was with Robbie in agreement there saying I, I wouldn't be the one that wouldn't be the one player that I would be trading. I thought uh, they had a, uh, they obviously have a log jam at the left-handed defense with Mike Matheson, Brian Dumoulin, Marcus Patterson. Now P.O. Joseph is extended. Uh, you have all, and, and Mark Friedman can play on his offside in a pinch if you need him to, to do that as well. You have all of these left-handed defensemen and now apparently um, John Marino, a, a 24-year-old, 25-year-old right-handed defenseman who maybe isn't going to be the heir apparent to Chris Letang, but is still uh, a responsible, respectable top four right-handed defenseman, puck-moving defenseman, which is obviously a commodity in this day and age. Uh, with with that said, like Robbie said, if 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 John Marino is that big piece that brings a player like J.T. Miller from Vancouver or Connor Garland was a name, another Vancouver Canuck who was thrown around earlier uh, when we were doing uh, podcasts around the trade deadline earlier this year. That was another name that was thrown around. If, if Marino is the guy, then so be it. You sign Jan Ruda, you have Chris Letang. He's going to be the anchor on the right side. If Jan Ruda is going to be your, your fourth defenseman rounding out the top four, the second right-handed defenseman, and you have Chad Ruweedle, uh, on the third pair, but that gets you JT Miller or, or, or something along those lines, then yes, I, I would do it. Absolutely. Uh, the Penguins have, and, and the Fenway sports group have made it clear their intentions are to try and win in this next two to three year period. And if that means sacrificing a player like John Marino for JT Miller, uh, in an effort to try and win one more championship, then yes, by all means, I absolutely think they should pull that trigger. Which six defensemen do you think will play next season? Um, going back to what Robbie was saying, my personal trade block would probably be Brian Dumoulin first, um, um, Marcus Pedersen second, John Marino third. Uh, I have a feeling that Penguins Brass and and Chris Letang like uh, Brian Dumoulin. They want to see Dumoulin rebound after what was a historically rough 2021-22 uh, season. I think it'll be Dumoulin, Letang, Matheson. Um, oh, this is a good question. Dumoulin, I'll go Dumoulin, Letang, Matheson, Jan Ruda, P.O. Joseph, and Chad Ruweedle rounding out that, that top six. And uh, I think... John Marino probably has the most trade value at this point. Maybe what they do, maybe they trade two defensemen. Who knows? Maybe they package Pedersen and Marino and, and maybe ride with Dumoulin, Matheson, and Joseph on the left side. Maybe you do that and, and open up cap space that way, trading out two defensemen. Uh, 
all options are on the table. We just have to wait and see what the plan is for Ron Hextall and company. Question number three for you, Robbie. Brendan and Brian both have the same question. What other free agents would you like to see sign with the Penguins as the offseason progresses? Yeah, still a lot of names out there. Um, if we really want to have fun, uh, let's, let's, let's get Phil Kessel back. Um, uh, no, nah, I don't know about that. But, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of uh, decent names out there. Uh, Nino Niederreiter uh, is still a free agent. Uh, um, so, I mean, again, again, whatever the cost is here, John Klingberg, um, still a free agent. Nazem Kadri, free agent. These guys are probably pricing themselves uh, well out of Pittsburgh. Uh, but, I mean, if you're looking down uh, down the down the list a little bit, um, it's tough to say exactly what the Penguins need at this point. Uh, Sonny Milano was a um, interesting name that popped uh, up a couple times and some people mentioned is um, uh, maybe joining uh, the Penguins. And then there was a, there was news broke last night that the Penguins had signed or come to an agreement with uh, Johan Larson, a 29-year-old uh, forward who played last season with the uh, Washington Capitals, but there's never been any official announcement uh, on uh, on that, but his defensive numbers, his possession numbers are really, really good. So he'd be a very interesting signing uh, for the Penguins as well and provide them with um, some pretty decent depth. He had 21 points in uh, 43 games last year, so he does have some uh, scoring ability. Um, and then, like I said, Sonny Milano, who is a 26-year-old um, uh, forward, he scored 34 points in 66 games. So, uh, yeah, there's still some decent names out there the Penguins can use to uh, fill out their kind of bottom, uh, fill out some holes in the roster. And then we have to look at, I think, at Evan Rodriguez and Danton Heinen. Uh, Heinen was not given a qualifying offer because it would have, uh, given what he did last year, caused some um, pretty high numbers coming through arbitration and stuff. So uh, the Penguins kind of just let him go to free agency. And I think that that's a guy that you have to look at. And obviously Evan Rodriguez, um, I kind of surprised that neither of those guys have been scooped up or really been involved in any kind of uh, rumor so far. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to get Heinen and Rodriguez back, I think it'd be two very good uh, additions. And then it, assuming they have Johan Larson under contract, uh, I guess we'll hear about that hopefully in the coming days. And then a guy like Sonny Milano, again, no, but you're not going to get any of the big names. But guys like um, uh, guys like Kessel and uh, Niederreiter are probably going to price themselves way out of the the market for the Penguins. So uh, um, yeah, just a few names there uh, to look at and see what uh, the Penguins can do. And then again, you're going to have to see what they do uh, in the trade market as well uh, with those with those defensemen moving out. Um, are they going to bring in a JT Miller or a Connor Garland? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, number four from Brian. Um, how would you grade the offseason so far? I would, uh, I'll split it up. I'll say contract extension wise, A plus. And I already uh, mentioned my thoughts earlier in the show, having all of those players sign for, uh, what was surely going to be below market value, having all of these players come back and, uh, basically solidify your top six. And in Latang's case, the top pair, uh, A plus work from Ron Hextall signing all of these players 
for what looks to be the the last hoorah, the last couple of seasons before things really have to get torn down and we do enter a legitimate rebuild. Uh, As far as the free agent period right now, I'll give it a C, C plus maybe, only because it's been a lot of minor transactions. Again, Jan Ruda, uh, probably the, the marquee signing so far, uh, he's obviously going to be penciled in on that blue line some in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but obviously that, that grade has a chance to change with what Hextall can bring in if he can facilitate a trade, maybe move one or, like I said, two defensemen out to bring in an impact forward like a JT Miller. That would severely change my outlook on the offseason in, in a positive fashion. And uh, given some of, these, some of these minor moves don't really move the needle for me, uh, it's more, more or less organizational depth there. So A-plus for contract extensions, CEC plus for uh, free agent acquisitions to this point as we record this episode. Question number five, our last question for you, Robbie, before we close out the show. Brian asks, what are your initial thoughts on first round draft pick Owen Pickering? Yeah, I kind of mentioned it a little earlier in the piece. I think just a really solid pick for what was available for the Penguins there. There was a couple names uh, that we're still on the board when the Penguins made that selection that would have been very good for the system. And I think overall, um, it's just uh, very good for um, the Penguins system. It gets them some much, much needed uh, defensive uh, depth um, moving forward. Again, we're uh, years away from uh, probably having to worry about these guys making an impact at the NHL level. Uh, But, I mean, overall, given what was available – um, you couldn't really go wrong, and I think overall that's a solid A minus pick, given uh, the twenty first pick in the draft. Uh, in the draft, it was fairly deep; wasn't uh, no huge, huge blow your um, um, tank tank hard for uh, these guys kind of draft. But um, I think you you have to like um, what the Penguins did there. He's a big boy, huge. Uh, you, you just got to beef up a little bit. And they say the big thing with him is the offense. If that comes around, he's going to be a very, very highly touted prospect. So um, some of the highlights I saw, he has a nice shot. He has patience. Um, it'll all be really come down to them being able to put everything together and um, kind of helping his game develop uh, in the juniors. And then once he gets into the pros, uh, really helping him take the next step. So, I mean, overall, give it an A minus B, B plus for uh, what they did in that position. All righty. Well, as we sit here on July 14th, 2022, looking at cap friendly right now, uh, the Penguins do have a projected cap space of negative 191,000. I think that has to do with the signing of Drake Kajula and him being on long-term injured reserve. Uh, Teams are allowed to exceed the salary cap by 10% during the offseason. And the thing we're going to be looking for now, now that all of the major pieces of business are taken care of, like we mentioned, what is on the horizon for Ron Hextall and specifically the Penguins defensive core, because we know he's already said 
changes are coming to this defensive core, this defensive unit, who will be shipped out? Will it be multiple players shipped out? And who will be the player or players coming back to Pittsburgh to try and change this roster as we head towards the 2022-23 season? Like I mentioned, if anything major breaks between now and the start of the season, i.e. another big trade that brings in a JT Miller type player, uh, maybe Robbie and I will get together for a quick 15-20 minute podcast and we'll give you our thoughts for, for that transaction if and when it does occur. But for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us for some off-season Pennsburg podcast content. And we will talk to all of you guys uh, sometime in the near future.